0: Welcome to another episode of Neurological. Um, this episode is it's going to be a little shorter, and we're going to focus on an update to a case that was previously covered on Neurological. Um, it was covered on episode three of Neurological, and this is an update because of new information that has come out since that last episode.
1: That's
0: definitely getting edited out because we laughed during an episode about a missing person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shit bags. Okay, so we heard about um, the Linda Saltzfuss case in episode three. Can you give us just like a quick one, two minute brief summary of the case? Challenge you, go.
0: Sure. So those of you that didn't listen to episode three or uh, read any of the blog posts or news articles about this, Um, Linda Stoltzfus is is still um, a missing 18-year-old woman uh, from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Uh, She went missing June 21st of this year um, and has been missing ever since. Uh, She went missing um, in a very short time frame on her walk home from a church service uh, in Lancaster County. And... In that short period, uh, she disappeared and was not seen again at her household. She was reported missing by her father. And uh, since that time frame, uh, the FBI has become involved with uh, police, and they have searched uh, many areas looking for her. They've, in this time frame, have only found a clothing that they believe to be belonging to her. Um, They've also had video footage of a suspect. named Houston Smoker, uh, who has since been charged with uh, her abduction um, related to this case. And he has been incarcerated uh, since July of this year. And um, that's pretty much a, a quick summary of the case so far.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so a new update came out, was released this week, was it Monday? Monday, yes. Yeah. So what was that about?
0: The new, actually six months to the day that Linda went missing, uh, Lancaster County District Attorney's Office has now uh, added the charge of criminal homicide uh, to Houston Smoker's um, court docket sheet. So now he's uh, officially charged with her murder um, in addition to the abduction uh, charge that was uh, previously put forth.
1: And I feel like we're... We're pretty familiar with that lingo, but if you had to just broadly describe that um, criminal homicide, how would you describe it?
0: Uh, criminal homicide, so shh, it's it's weird in Pennsylvania um, in the sense that they do that broad term of homicide or criminal homicide as a charge. It's not um, necessarily first-degree homicide um, or the other... It's second degree, third degree, homicide, manslaughter, all the different aspects of, you know, what you can be charged with related to the death of somebody else. Um, This is just kind of like the catch-all homicide um, charge, and they can later be determined um, what level or degree that he's actually going to be charged and then convicted of. Um, It depends. And I have to always say, you know, he's presumed innocent until proven guilty or pleads guilty himself.
1: Mm -hmm. So what does this mean as far as next steps for him, for her family, for the community?
0: You you know, I'd like to say that this means, uh, you know, new information, any information is is great to have in a case um, because... Again, we've been sitting you know for six months with no inform or no information really um, or minimal information I should say and to have new information to have new charges you know it sounds like the case is really moving forward and that kind of thing but the, the the reality though is that nothing changed in terms of she's missing she's still missing um, and nothing has changed in terms of if we know she's alive or not um, obviously with a charge like criminal homicide, you, the, uh, takeaway is that she is dead. Mm -hmm. Um, you're charting someone with the death of somebody else. And that means, that's what that means. Yeah. But unfortunately that's not for sure. Um, and we don't know exactly why he did it, what happened, um, anything like that. So that doesn't really answer any of those questions. It really just provides, you know, we're just, uh, we're accusing someone of, this
1: yeah well and what i gathered from the press conference was that um now six months later the compilation of evidence or lack thereof it almost seemed like um gives maybe i shouldn't say that because they need evidence um but gives that reason to believe she was murdered
0: yeah so i i wanted to bring this up because it's a case where there's no body Mm-hmm. um and someone's still charged with homicide so I did a little research for those of you that you follow me on instagram i I posted a story where I was <laughs> scrolling through an article and I said i promise this is for research of podcasts not my own personal you know needs
1: scary search history <laughs> yes
0: um i don't i mean anybody that does a true crime podcast, you should not look at their search history on their laptops <laughs> um it's just not a good idea but um so I was reading through this uh a and e which is a, a Media Channel or news, um just a media uh, channel on TV a um, and e and there was an article by uh, crystal Ponte um, examining this this idea of you know a no body murder case um, and there's this there's this phrase that's thrown around in true crime and uh, the media and everything with you know nobody no crime um, is what they say and I mean, I get what people are saying, but that's so simplified and saying, like, well, if there's no body, then it's not a homicide. Um, But her article that she discussed um, had found that since 1843, there's been over 500 no body, no crime murder trials that have been held. So those are trials, not, you know, just cases in general. Mm -hmm. So over 500 since 1843 and those are the known ones, um, where there's been trials um, of no-body uh, homicide cases. Um, now, in that review, or reviewing those, they had found that 86% of those cases without an actual body resulted in a conviction of the homicide um, to some degree. And that's compared to 70% of all murder cases leading to a conviction of homicide. So it's actually higher when there's no body involved in the case than when there is a body involved in the case. Hmm. Um, now again, that's one statistic, one examination. So, you know, we, we can take it for what it is, but again, that just shows that just because there's no body doesn't mean that a person can't be convicted of homicide. Um, it's definitely possible and has happened obviously many a times. Um, so you had said something about like well lack of evidence or no new evidence that kind of thing. So one of the things, um, and this is discussed by uh, Tad DeBias De- De- or De- Base. Um, He was a former federal uh, prosecutor, and he discusses uh, the three legs of um, the three legs of a stool approach to uh, prosecuting a crime of homicide. Um, specifically, we'll apply it to this. Um, so. The three different legs of a stool, if you can think of it. The first leg is forensic evidence. So these are things, uh, again, these are the three things that you would want in a case where you're prosecuting a homicide. Forensic evidence being DNA, blood, um, other bodily fluids, fingerprints, um, so all of those things. Technical, technological evidence, so having um, using cell towers to map locations of people, surveillance camera pictures, um, or video, um, just something that places the person at a certain location at a certain time in around a certain person. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that evidence can be used, um, as part of the case.
1: Which they, they'd have for her.
0: Right. So in this, in this specific case, they have actually his DNA, mm-hmm. um, at the scene of where the clothes were buried. Um, they have surveillance footage of his vehicle in the area that she was abducted um they have eyewitness uh testimony saying that he was in that area um they were trying to get his cell phone information to do um some of that location as well
1: i think they got it yeah
0: um they were reviewing his text messages with his brother um again just different kind of evidence so that that is one leg. The second leg would be confessions from uh, friends and or family of the uh, accused. So going to his uh, parents, going to his brother, going to other people that he knows, his workplace, those kinds of people, and that they then reveal that they know who the killer is, or that they know that he is the killer, um, based on what he's told them, what they've seen, what they know, all that kind of stuff. Um, not hearsay, but in the sense that they can actually put him at a place or they can um, say that he confessed to them um, about doing it. So that's uh, leg number two. Leg number three is confessions from the defendant themselves. Mm. So if he were to confess, which he has not done at this time, um, I think the charge would have come a lot sooner if they had that. But again, a confession from him is not necessary to convict him, um, but it, You know, obviously it could, it could help the case, um, definitely could help convince a jury, but we know that a lot of confessions or some confessions, I should say, are coerced or not authentic. Um, so we can't always just base it on that. Um, obviously just like a stool, the best way to have a nice balanced, safe seat to sit on would be to have all three, but, um, having just one or two of them, um, can help. The case go forward um it's just one uh one way to look at this as well uh, without a body actually being present Mm -hmm. um so i will say too that there are some famous cases um that there was no body and they were convicted of, of homicide so one of them for people who know serial killers um history uh in in history i should say Um, So Albert Fish was a serial killer, um, and one of his victims, Grace Budd, um, that case was uh, prosecuted without a body, without her body. Um, He was accused of actually cutting her up into pieces, um, and uh, they never discovered those pieces um, of her. So they never found the body, um, but still he was convicted and actually executed uh, for his uh, crime, that crime, and other crimes, but that was the, that's a very famous one. Um, a shout out to the podcast women in crime because they covered, um, a victim, um, Sarah Stern, which she's from, she was from New Jersey. Um, the person convicted was Liam, um, Mac McTenney. Um, and he was convicted of homicide, even though her body was never found. Um, For people who want to check out more information about that, it's episode 12 of their podcast. Um, But yeah, her body was never found. Uh, They believe that her body was thrown off of a bridge into water, Mm. and they never found her body. Um, But yet he was still convicted of the crime of homicide with her.
1: So, yeah, just based on case history, it is certainly possible I'm interested in the six month like how it was six months to the day is there something to that or is it just kind of happenstance like it's not like a you have to wait six months and then you can declare it i criminal homicide I
0: tried to find that somewhere and um, you know the internet's a great thing but it's also, like, not as easy as people think. Like, you can't just search something and it's find it. It's a black hole. <laughs> well, that too, yeah. I mean, you go searching for one thing and you come out with, you know, seven Amazon orders. I was
1: just going to say
0: that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I couldn't find anything that related to why it was six months exactly. Um, if anybody with a law background wants to, you know, comment or or provide some insight into this, that'd be great. But... It also could have just been, I want to say, like, ceremonious. Like, mm. like hey, six months, let's let's release it today. Because mm-hmm. it kind of, I don't know, has that emotional impact of saying, like, you know, it's been six months just, since she disappeared to the day. Um, I don't know if that has, like, some extra, you know, emotional push to it. But I couldn't find anything legal of why you have to, why you should wait or why you have to wait six months before you do that. Um, obviously, you know, they they don't want to, to jump, you know, too fast and say, you know, okay, we can't find her. This guy probably did it, so let's charge him with homicide. They want to do a thorough investigation um, and have as much information as they can before putting a charge forward. Because mm-hmm. um, it's, you know... You don't want to go in there with a half-empty suitcase of evidence. You want to go in there with as much evidence as you can. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's only fair because you put that charge on someone and you're wrong, which does happen, but, you know, we want to try to prevent that from happening at every cost because, I mean, their life is ruined then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 You definitely, you do want to consider the implications for charging someone with homicide mm-hmm. um, when you're saying that someone abducted someone you're saying that they took them and uh, you know removed them from where they were against their will um, but now you're accusing of someone of taking their life and uh, that's a, obviously one of the if not the most serious um, accus- one of the most serious accusations you can put forward uh, against somebody
1: mm-hmm. okay so any other updates on
0: on that or? Uh, I know that the, um, all the law enforcement is still actively searching for her. So it's not like because they charged him with uh, criminal homicide that they say, okay, that's it for the search and we won't stop looking. Um, it doesn't give them that, that permission to do that. Uh, so I know that they are still searching, which is a great, a great thing. Um, I think she deserves that. I think her family deserves that. I think the community deserves that. And, uh, I think he, I think the defendant deserves that, um, Mm -hmm. as well. Uh, you know, I think the more evidence we can get, the better in a case, um, involving a, a missing person or a possible homicide. Um, I know that the community is still holding on hope that she's still alive. Um, but I also know that for some, it probably, this creates some sense of more realized grief because... There is that label of homicide attached now. Uh-huh. Um, so that reality of that she could be uh, deceased is now out there a little bit more officially, we'll say, um, as opposed to before, you know, she was considered abducted. Um, you know, now they're they're charging him with homicide. They're saying that she's deceased at this point, um, or they have reason to believe that. But um, I, I, I do know that a lot of people are still holding on hope, and I... I don't ever want to discourage anyone from having that hope, Um, but I also recognize that people, you know, do some, um, like, grieving publicly or not publicly, but whatever this news means to them, so.
1: Yeah. All right, well, um, you plan to still keep following this, right, and giving updates as they come?
0: Definitely. I mean, if there's anything new pre Trial, which at this point, you know, again, I think I said this before, but the trial, it's not happening in 2020. Um, who knows if it, if and when it will happen in 2021. Um, some homicide cases, uh, especially, you know, one like this where there's no body, um, it might take longer. Um, I've seen homicide cases, you know, over a year. Uh, goes between the time that they're charged and the time that they actually come into court um, that could change if he decides to to make a plea or there's a plea agreement something like that uh-huh. but as far as a trial um, i don't i don't see that happening within the next couple months no. but i'll definitely follow it either way no matter what um, it'd be great if in the future that when the case does go to trial you know and it, we are at a point in terms of public health where pe- the public can go to cases like that. You know, if I had the time, I wouldn't mind going to kind of uh, observe cause that's your right as a citizen. Mm-hmm.
1: So. I can see that. Um, all right. So then just to wrap up, um, we do this from time to time on, on the podcast, uh, just to check in with like what you're reading, what you're watching, listening to anything new for you there
0: so i can proudly say that i finished the book that i was not <laughs> finished every other episode that we've we've done um so i've done that uh that was methland um uh, by nick nick uh reading and
1: or was it nick reading
0: i think no, it was nick reading <laughs> um so quick quick uh review was good book um good information about uh, meth in America and the challenges that uh, are associated with that and why we might have seen increases in meth use in certain areas, um, how it kind of got perpetuated. Um, One of the the coolest things about that book was the ending of it. (laughs) Not to say that I was like excited for the book to be over, but I just liked at the end they did a kind of like, now that the book's been published, what What now? And you don't really get to see that in a lot of books. And what happened was he went back to the areas that he covered and saw how the the towns responded to him writing about them. Mm -hmm. And you had mixed things, like where some of them were, like, pissed off that he talked about them the way that he did. And then others were like, yeah, man, that's, like, exactly what's happening. Um, And thank you for kind of giving us that kind of public recognition of what's going on so that other people can kind of, you know, empathize with what we're going through. But, um, yeah, he got some mixed reviews. They had public uh, town, town halls where the community members came together to kind of ask him questions or otherwise. Um, so, yeah, he, he presented all that, and um, so that was, that was an interesting ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I finished that book. Um, I actually finished a second book after that, so see what happens when you finish school, um, for the semester. You, you can just rack, you can just go right through books, um, because you have more time and more mental energy. Um, so I finished, uh, Ginger Zee, um, her book called Natural Disaster, uh, which was really cool as a memoir about her, her life so far, um, her struggles with, uh, depression and some other mental illness, um, and then just her life in general as a, a up-and-coming meteorologist. Um, as a female in that field, it was interesting to learn about that. Uh, so that was a good book. Um, I'm sure you'll probably check that one out.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on my read.
0: Um, and then, now I'm currently reading uh, the book Justice by Dominic Dunn. Uh, that was a book I got at a book sale, or a used book sale. So, um, always cool to get a book that normally costs like $25 for two, uh, so that's awesome. And this book, I had kind of discovered it through, again, uh women in crime episode, uh, which was focusing on Dominique Dunn, which is this author's daughter. Um, she was killed by her boyfriend. Um, and that kind of, he was already kind of a, someone that's involved in uh, movie production, uh, books, uh, journalism, that kind of thing. But then as a result of, unfortunately, his, his daughter being killed, um, you know he went through the whole court process and then uh, started writing a lot more about cases like that. Um, so this book is a combination of that case, of his daughter, um, which was the first part of it, and I uh, enjoyed learning more about that. Um, again, Women in Crime cover this case in a podcast episode, so if you prefer to get it that way. And then other cases that he's sat in on, um, not really as a reporter, but just someone as like observing, um, and seeing what's going on with these cases. So he was in, uh, with the OJ Simpson case, um, and then a couple other, uh, not necessarily high profile, but, um, they were covered pretty, pretty well in the media, um, other cases that he's, uh observed and kind of wanted to report on as well. Um, so they're all included in that book. Uh, just and a lot of them the reason he discusses them is because of the outcomes and because of what was involved in the case. Um, they're not cut and dry and for his the daughter case, um, it wasn't he felt like justice wasn't really served. So the title of this book being Justice um, is kind of like a, a challenge to that too. But that uh, yeah, that's what I'm reading. Not really not really watching anything specific right now. Um
1: Well we finished Shits Creek, which is totally irrelevant to your <sighs> podcast Creek yeah. show.
0: <laughs> totally. Um yeah, so I finished that. Um, listening to the same podcasts, um for the the most part, no, nothing new. I do plan on maybe branching out to, um, uh, if there's any new ones coming out, um, maybe branching out a little bit, um, rather than the ones I just typically listen to, although there's always new content, so those are great. Um, but yeah, not listening to anything specific, uh, that I'd want to discuss, but. Alright. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I know that uh, a lot of people were following this uh, case in terms of my podcast and blog. Um, I know that because it has the most listens of all the episodes. <laughs> um, and I definitely encourage everyone to share, um, to discuss this, uh, keep it you know in people's minds because we want to to get information if there is any out there, um, and people can. Uh, access those resources Uh, i'll put some in the description for this episode but you can also go back to episode three listen to that and there's um, some more in there as well so thank you so much remember neurological is a true crime podcast to be psyched about